0: Happy New Year to each of you. You know, the New Year's a great opportunity to make resolutions, maybe to to learn a new skill. Or maybe if you're like me, you need to lose a few pounds, probably from the extra 10, 15, 20 pounds that I put on uh, during the Christmas uh, holidays. I just need a salad. Does anybody else just feel that way? Like, I need to go eat like an apple and maybe like a a head of lettuce today, you know, or for the next like three weeks. Anyway, uh, but uh, again, one of the main things we want you to do is you're making Resolution starting the new year is we want you to make sure that you make New Year's plans to have 2022 be your best year in. The faith, and so to help you be able to do that, uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, I'm going to preach kind of a mini sermon uh, series here on how to have a fresh, take first steps to uh, to a fresh relationship with God. And today, we're going to talk about one of the most important reasons, one of the most important resolutions that you can make this year, and is that is that we would be a people of the Word in 2022. So the title of our message this morning is Starting Fresh in God's Word in 2022. And so again, as you heard us mention earlier, we're challenging the church family to make a commitment to be regular in God's Word this year. And so for many of us, that's taking the one-year Bible challenge. Uh, You can do that today, encourage you to do that today. Uh, But even if you get that one-year Bible, if if the entirety of the one-year Bible is too much for you at the beginning, you can get that one-year Bible and you can just read the New Testament portions of it this year and you can read through the entire New Testament in a year. But regardless of whichever direction you go on that, we want you to be successful in your year in God's Word. Let me give you a little hint, by by the way, of how you can do that. Again, the two major ways that we are successful in becoming a people of God's Word is you got to have a plan, which a one year Bible gives you a plan, and you need partners. You need people who will do it with you. And I want to give you one more little hint. If you commit to the one year Bible plan, If you miss a day, and we're all inevitably going to miss some days. We're going to have some days where life just happens and you miss a day in God's Word. Let me me encourage you to do this. Do not try to go back and make that day up. Uh, because inevitably you you miss a day, you miss two days, you start trying to make it up and then you get behind and you feel like I'm so far behind, I can't catch up, I've missed this and then you'd bail out. So I would encourage you, don't try to do that. Start fresh every day. Whatever God's word is that day, read that day. And if you make the commitment to read through God's word in a year, then eventually next year you'll come back to whatever you missed. And so just make that commitment every day. Remember the goal is not for you at the end of 2022 to be able able To say, I read through the Bible in a year. That would be awesome. But the biggest goal is that you were more consistent in God's Word, that you met with God's Word, you met with God in His Word daily and more regularly in. Your life now. I would encourage you. For a lot of people, a daily reading plan is intimidating. Let me tell you, you can do it. When I was the pastor at Arley First Baptist Church, my first pastor, I remember we began a new year. I was going to take our deacons through a one-year Bible, and we would meet once a week. My wife would make breakfast, and we would meet early that morning, and and uh, and we would gather together. And I remember the very first time we had one of our deacons. He was an incredibly gifted cabinet maker and construction worker. He stayed afterwards, and he he's kind of embarrassed acting. And he said, Brother Zach, I, I'm, I want to do this, but at the same time, I can't read. And nobody really knows that, but I want to be able to do it. So we started studying and working. We found the One Year Bible app where he could actually press play and it would read the Bible to him that day. So he would follow along in his one-year Bible as best as he could. And I honestly totally have forgotten about it. And when we got to the end of the year, I won't ever forget the joy when he walked up to me and he put a one-year Bible on the table and he said, Brother Zach, I have read through the Bible in a year. Church family, if that guy can do it, all of us here today can do it, And I want to be honest with you, this morning I am as excited about preaching this message today as I have been any other messages since you called me to be your pastor. And the reason why is because I believe in the power of God's word in your life. I was reading just this past week, I was thumbing through one of our Gideon's Bibles that was given to me recently. The Gideons are an incredible organization. We have a lot of Gideons even here at our church. And, and this is the introduction to a Gideon New Testament Bible. This is what it says. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good, the design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet, read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and will be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its contents. If you agree with that today, can you say amen? Isn't that a great statement this morning? So, With that being said, today we're going to look at Psalms chapter 119. This is the longest chapter in all of Scripture, consisting of 176 verses. And I promise you today, we will not read them all. And you can say amen to that. However, we will glean several truths today from it as it speaks about God's Word. Now let me give you a little bit of background on Psalms 119. First, Psalms 119, in its literary form, is an acrostic poem. Basically, in the ancient world, they would use this type of poetry... And using an acrostic, basically a letter that would describe something, and then here's the letter, and then there would be certain facts written beyond that letter. In this aspect, he uses, in Psalms 119, the acrostic is the entire Hebrew alphabet. It was essentially, a lot of these poems would be focused on one subject, and it would be like saying, we're going to let you, everything you need to know about this subject from A to Z. And so Psalms 119 is essentially the same thing, except it's everything from Aleph, to Tov, which are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Secondly, you need to know that the main topic of this great chapter is the Word of God, or is the Law, which are the first five books of Moses, which were were given to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. They're commonly referred to the Pentateuch or the Torah. As the psalmist writes this beautifully written tribute to the Word of God, it is clear that he isn't writing about the written Word of God alone, but also how God works through His written Word. The psalmist clearly knew that the Bible was not just a record about how God had spoken, but also what He was still speaking The psalmist knew that the law of God was not just a law or a standard that had been recorded for God's people to follow, but that it was a standard that was still in effect, one that God was still enforcing. Psalms 119 shows us that the psalmist knew that the written word of God that God had blessed his people with was not just a blessing to the people who first received it, but was still a means by which God was communicating his blessings to those who followed it. Now today, as we read the psalmist here speak about the law of God in Psalms 119, we need to know that in the same way God initially gave the first five books of Scripture to his people through his servant Moses... That God continued that same revelatory act of the inspiration of Scripture until the canon of Scripture, meaning the full counsel of the written Word of God, was officially closed by God. With the fullness of Scripture being the sixty-six Bibles of the old, the sixty-six books of the Old and New Testaments in the Bible. This is the Orthodox canon of Scripture. That's important to know because when you turn on the Discovery Channel and they talk about the lost book of Judas or something like that, those things were never expected to be canon of Scripture. This is the Word of God that was given to us. And so, as the psalmist speaks here about the Word of God in Psalms 119, he is speaking, we should hear it as though he is speaking about all of the orthodox scripture that we have here today. So, with that being said, this morning I want to give you three reasons to spend time in God's Word from Psalms chapter 119. So, the first is this today, if you're keeping notes, The first reason we should commit to reading God's Word is because it brings blessings. Look with me, Psalms 119, verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. Now the Hebrew word that is used here for Psalms 119 for blessed basically means happiness. Now we know that happiness ultimately comes from things that are good. Essentially what the psalmist is saying here today is is blessed is the man. It is good for the man who reads God's word, who follows God's word. He essentially says the same thing in verses 103. He brags about the goodness of God in Psalms 119, 103. He says, how sweet are your words to my taste, yes sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, there's so many blessings that can come from being a people committed to God's word. We're going to talk more about them this morning. However, the primary blessing that comes from being a people who are living and striving after God's word, according to Psalms 119, 1 and 2, is that they have the blessing of knowing what is right and wrong in the eyes of God and following that will. The blessings of not doing the things that God doesn't want us to do and the blessings of doing the things that God wants us to do. Notice there, it says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Essentially, the psalmist is saying that the blessings of God come to those who follow his truths. It's not just that the Bible is a blessing in general. It's a blessing if we follow it. Psalms chapter 1, the beginning of Psalms, verses 1 through 3, the writer basically says the same thing about the blessings that come to those who follow God's word. Some of you may have read that just yesterday. If you began the one-year Bible reading plan, you read that Psalms chapter one there. And as I read that on my front porch just across the way here, this was my prayer. Oh, God, help me to read your word. Help me to meditate on your word day and night knowing that blessings come from that, that I will be like a tree that is planted by streams of living water. Now, living your life according to God's word doesn't mean that you won't have moments of heartache and struggle. In some instances... Following God's Word will even cause you that. However, the blessings that do come from following God's Word in this life is what ultimately comes from doing the things that God wills and not doing the things that God doesn't wills. There are certain things in the natural design of God that if we will do the things that are inside of God's Word, we will be blessed. And if we avoid the things that Scripture says are bad, then we will avoid the consequences of sin. We see that in our day and age even today. As our society continues to get further and further away from the things that honor God, we continue to see our society is not becoming better. It's becoming worse. People are less sad. People are less safe. People are less satisfied in life. And that's absolutely true. And we can see the consequences of that because we're getting further away from the things that God says are good. In fact, in the latter verses of Psalms 119, the psalmist makes it clear that the Word of God serves as a guard to the people of God from falling into sin and the consequences of sin. One of the greatest blessings of God's Word is it serves as a guard to us. Look at Psalms 119 verse 61. He speaks about the temptations of evil people. It says, the cords of the wicked have encircled me. He's basically saying the wicked have laid a trap. They have laid cords out before me. you got to get this picture of somebody in a minefield. He says, but I have not forgotten your law. He's basically saying your law navigates me through the temptations in the minefield of the enemy's temptations. Psalms 119 verses 133 speaks about how God's word can be that which keeps us from becoming held captive to sin. Which we understand often in our lives as strongholds and addictions. Verse 133 says, establish my footsteps in your word and do not let iniquity have dominion over me. The dominion is rule over me. He says, if, if I am, my footsteps are, being, are following your word, then I am not going to have sin have dominion over me. Following God's word can keep us free from bondage. Psalms 119 verse 38 also speaks to ultimately the reason behind all sin. And that is a lack of fear of God. Verse 38 says, establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. You know, in parenting, we want our children ultimately to have a rightful fear of us and our consequences and our judgments as we teach them to do the right things and not do the wrong things. But have you ever noticed that the greatest thing that a parent can do is not just teach their children to rightfully reverence and fear themselves, which that should be the case, but ultimately you should point them to the word of God. Because that ultimately points us to the fact that if we have reverence for the one true God, then that will dictate our decisions in this life. Of all these verses that remind us of the greatest blessings that come to a person of God's word is that it serves as a blessing to guard us in our often failing flesh. How many of us feel that? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. One of the greatest ways that you can seal your heart for heaven is through God's word. I remember hearing a pastor tell me years ago to write in the front cover of my Bible, and I encourage you to do this today, to write this quote, Sin, this book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. Church, hear me this morning. According to the authority of scripture, blessings come from those who feed on and follow God's word. The Word of God makes it clear when we fully follow His plan, it leads to a better life, a more fulfilled life, a life shepherded and nourished by the God who created us. God's Word is a blessing to us. If you want to live this year by streams planted, by living water, bear fruit in its season, and your leaf not wither, what beautiful picture, then be a man or woman of God's Word this year. Secondly today, the second reason we should commit to reading God's Word is because it serves as a sacred window into our spiritual reality while living in our present world. The Bible clearly teaches that all of humanity is living in a temporary realm that will ultimately give way to the eternal realm. Can I get an amen for that day, by the way? Lord Jesus, if you want to come back in 2022, I'd vote for that. In this present life, though, however, similarly to the backdrop of that movie The Matrix, which is popular again today, Many in this life are often deceived by Satan to believe that this world is all that there is. When in reality, the one true God is working in and through this present world, drawing people to himself, but will one day set up his kingdom eternally and reveal himself to the world, bringing grace to his children and and judgment to those who are not. However, in the gap time between God's kingdom coming and his kingdom fully come, the Bible teaches that for children of God... This world is not our home. Amen for that. This in-between season though can be hard for followers of Jesus because God's word is and because God's word is one of his greatest gifts to his children in this season to strengthen and encourage us and remind us of the coming reality in this present darkness. The Apostle Paul spoke about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, in this tent, speaking of his body, I groan, longing to be clothed with my heavenly dwelling. How many of you have ever went camping in this room today? Most of us have. Now, how many of you ever went camping and it was so good, it was so enjoyable, that you were willing to give up, go sell your home to live in that tent? And the reality is none of us would really choose that. It's good for a season. It's not good for a lifetime. And the truth is because tents are meant to be temporary. But homes are meant to be permanent or long-lasting. The picture we get from Scripture is this world is temporary for God's people. But heaven and glory in His presence is our home. But while we live in a tent, it's hard. We endure hardship in this tent. And Psalms 119 speaks of this way in life. Twice it mentions this. Psalms 119 verses 18 and 19. He says, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Great prayer, by the way, to pray every morning before you open up God's word. Psalms 119 verse 18. Oh God, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I encourage you, by the way, as you make this commitment to read through God's word, it's not just wrote. You are meeting with God. It's not just a ritual. You just pray before you go into God's Word. And then once you read God's Word, pray your way out of it. Oh God, you've spoken to me. Now what do you have me to say to you in response to your Word? But listen how he follows that up in verse 19. He says, I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. The psalmist's use of the word stranger in the earth shows us the struggle of living as a servant of a heavenly kingdom in the middle of an earthly reality. However, it seems as though his soul was being soothed by the word of God when he prays just before that, "Oh God, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Essentially, he is saying here, "Oh God, give me a glimpse of your beauty through your world while I live in the loneliness and darkness of this present day. Psalms 119 verse 54, the psalmist speaks again of how God's word was a blessing to him as he was sojourning on the earth. It says in verse 54, your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. You hear that? In my temporary home, in my pilgrimage, where I go for a season, but this is not my home. It is your word that brings me songs. It is your word that lifts me up in the middle of my sojourning. One of the early church fathers, St. Augustine of Hippo, spoke of God's word being a heavenly perspective in an earthly world saying this. He said... The Holy Scriptures are our letters from home. How good is that? The Holy Scriptures are our letters from home. God's people, we need to understand that God's word is a window into heaven. It gives us the ability to see things from God's perspective. It gives us light to walk in a dark world. They are our letters from home. Now surely there are so many different reasons where we need this window into heaven, into this world. We need this gaze, this sacred window into heaven. But I just want to give you five moments where we need a window into heaven that Psalms 119 addresses. First, we need a window into heaven when we're searching for God's will and direction in our lives. You know, all of us today have to make daily decisions. You've got to make decisions about your job, about your family, about your homes, how you spend your money. And for most of us, for most of the world, they make that decision with this in mind. What best benefits me and those around me in this decision? The problem with that is, though, that's the complete opposite of the Christian perspective. The Christian perspective is not self-centered. The Christian perspective is glory of God-centered. So ultimately, our decisions need to be based around what best glorifies God by these decisions. And how do we get that perspective in the middle of a world that is completely countercultural to that? The world will never tell you to go do God's will. It would say, go do what's good for you. Go and get mine. How do we find that will in the middle of this dark world? We find it from God's word. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my my path. Psalms 119 verse 130 says, The unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It is light. It directs us. It gives us winding. It gives us wisdom. And it says it does that even to the simple. Basically saying everybody can glean from God's Word. I love what Adrian Rogers said about the, the, the vastness of God's Word that speaks even to the most simplest of minds. He said this, it's not the things that I don't understand in Scripture that give me problems. It's the things that I do understand. It's the things when God speaks and I know exactly what He's saying. And I have to apply that to my life out of reverence and fear of the Lord. If you want to know God's will today, church family, all you have to do is open His Word. I love what my former pastor used to say, Dr. Steve Gaines, said, If you want to hear the voice of God, you want to hear God speak, stand up and read His Word aloud. And you have heard the voice of God. Secondly, we need a window into heaven when our souls are dry and parched in this broken world. Psalms 119 verse 25, the psalmist spoke about his place of desperation, but also shows us how he turned to God's Word. He said, my soul cleaves to the dust, but revive me according to your word. Have you ever been in that situation in life where you're so low in life, it feels as though your face is so low to the ground that your soul is cleaving to the dust. My face is full of dirt because I am so broken and so parched. But he's cried out in that moment saying, but oh God, revive me according to your word. The psalmist knew that a word from God would be enough to pull him out of the driest depths of his soul. The word revive means to bring life into. How many of us have been in moments when our souls are dry? In these moments you know something is missing, but often you're not quite sure where to turn. It's in these moments when you open up God's Word that you are teleported into a heavenly world that reminds you of the great story of God, the great moment of grace, the hope of eternity, and the great invitation of God, and you can feel your soul revived. How many times have you had those moments where you were in a dry season, but heaven came to earth through God's Word? Thirdly, we need a window into heaven when our souls are persecuted or discouraged. We need God's Word to stir us on. It's in great moments of hardships and struggle in this life that we will all certainly endure. Some specifically just for loving Jesus and others just because we live in a sin-cursed world. It is in these moments of struggle when we feel like giving up or when we feel like we can't go on that God through His Word can step in and rescue our weary souls. And by the way, that's, that's real for the people of God. Often in, in society, we feel like, well, if you know Jesus, you're never going to come to the end of your rope. Well, that's just the direct opposite of what Scripture says. Scripture speaks often about people coming to the end of their rope. God, if you had not stepped in, I could not have made it. Psalms 119 verse 92 is what the psalmist says here. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. Oh God, if I had not had your word, I certainly would have died. Church family, have you ever been in a situation where you knew that if God had not stepped in, you were not sure how you were going to make your way out of it? But at the same time, have you ever had God step in and bring life to your soul and rescue you? Several years ago, not long after Kimberly and I had just moved to Arkansas, felt God's leading in our life to go be missionaries in Arkansas to go plant a church. We had started our church in April. We made it through the spring, through the summer. We were coming to our first fall. We got to the first week of October. We were going to begin a preaching series called All Out, which is about in calling people to live evangelistically. And we had just rented out this big facility and brought everybody in there and did one big service and said, hey, let's go reach our community for Jesus. It was a big exciting moment, build-up moment. I was going through that next week excited about preaching that next Sunday to stir people on towards that. I got up that Saturday morning, a beautiful day. I was working in my yard. I left my home. To go to the hardware store. And I got a few hundred yards away from my home. And I was involved in a car accident. Involved in a car accident with a man on a motorcycle. This is the first time I've ever spoken about this from the pulpit. I felt the Lord told me to do it today. And over the next few moments. As I watched a man leave this world into eternity. I can't tell you how dark that was. I remember that next morning, instead of preaching about reaching people for Jesus, I'm sitting on my front porch, and I'm staring into nothing for 12 to 14 hours, just trying to wrap my mind around, why, God? God, I don't, I don't understand. We, we came to this community to lead people to Jesus. and Why, I don't understand. Some of you have had those same moments where you've dealt with situations and brokenness in your life where you don't understand. And I didn't understand. And church family, I'll be completely honest with you today. To this day, I still don't understand completely why in that. Like Tony Evans said one time, though, I've got a bank of God's faithfulness big enough in the areas where I do know why than the few areas where I don't, that He's still faithful. And one of those areas is on that front porch. When I didn't understand God's will, didn't understand what was going on, and And honestly, if you would asked me to preach a sermon or preach a message in that moment or even testify to the goodness of God in that moment, it would have been out of obedience, but it would have been hard. I remember saying, oh God, would you speak to me? And I opened his word. And it opened to Isaiah chapter 61. It's the same passage that Jesus quoted in Luke chapter 4 where he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind." freedom to the oppressed, and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. It was in that moment, in the darkest moment of my life at that point, that God stepped in and He didn't answer the question that I, that I wanted, but He gave me the answer that I needed. He says, Zach, keep doing what I told you to do that keep going and preaching the gospel. that keep being faithful to me. that keep moving forward. Put one step in front of the other. It was God's Word that lifted me up in one of the darkest moments of my life. And again, I still don't understand everything, but I know in the middle of it that God was saying, I've got a plan, that I've not forgotten you, that I see you right where you are. It was God's Word that gave me a window into heaven in the middle of a dark moment. It brought me to a reality that was not my present reality. And some of you here today are in the middle of those moments and what do you need in that moment? Let God's word be the first place you turn. Fourthly, today, we need a window into heaven when we need hope. Hope is the anticipation of something on the horizon that is good, that has an impact on your present in such a way that if you did not have your hope, the brokenness of, and the bleakness of your moment would lead to hopelessness. The Christian hope is based around the promises of God's word. Our hope we find in the truths given to us in God's word. Psalms 119 verse 116, the psalmist spoke about the hope that he put in the promises of God. He said, uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. He says, your promises, O God, are my hope. Now, there are many situations in this life as believers that we would dwell in hopelessness if we did not have the hope of God's word. In moments of lack, in moments of need, when you need God to step in as God's children, you have hope that God can step in and bring provision. In moments where you've been wronged in this life and there's no justice or resolution in this world, you have hope that God is the judge of all the world and all accounts will be settled at the end. And likely today, all of us in this room, the greatest area that we all need hope is the hope of what happens when we leave this world. I was reminded just this last week of the great hope that we have in the face of death as believers as I read through my one year Bible and finished up the year in Revelations 14, 13. It said, then I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are those who die, blessed are those who are dead, who die in the Lord From now on, blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. For every other society in the world, death is something that we're afraid of. Death is something that we're to to push away from at all accounts. Death is something where it ultimately leads to defeat. But the, the Word of God gives hope in the middle of that that no other place brings. Just a few weeks ago, I was jogging right up Stout's Road and jogged through the Morris Cemetery, And if we're honest here today, cemeteries are a little spooky. Nobody likes just going and hanging out in cemeteries. It's a little unnatural. If you do, we probably need to talk and have some prayer, okay? But as I was jogging through and I looked at these headstones, the reminder of this dark and scary place, for those of us who are Jesus according to the truths of Scripture, it has an entirely different meaning. And in fact, God started to birth a a sermon in my heart that one day I hope to preach entitled "A, A Walk Through a Graveyard with a Bible in Your Hand. Because if you know Jesus here today, then, then it doesn't have the same sting that it has for the rest of the world. That's why the Bible says that we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who that hope. That for those who are dead in Jesus, they're not really dead. They're still alive. Because Jesus says, everyone who believes in me will live, even though he dies. I love what Tony Evans said several years ago. He said that often we, we, have to be re, we have to be reminded as God's children from His Word that we're not living in the land of the living, headed to the land of the dying, but according to God's Word, we're living in the land of the dying, headed to the land of the living. This is the kind of hope that God's Word gives you. And Maybe today you just need hope to go to God's Word. And then finally, we need a window into heaven when we need to know that God loves us. All of us need to know that we're loved by God. We need it daily. Psalms 119 verse 76, the psalmist speaks about how it was God's word that led him to his love. It says, oh may your loving kindness comfort me according to your word to your servant." Of all the vastly important and encouraging things that the Scriptures point us to, the undergirding truth of God's entire story as revealed in Scripture is His great love for the world that finds its pinnacle in the cross of Jesus. We all need to know that daily that God loves us. In order to hear that, we need to only go to the Bible. Church family, God's word is a window that allows us to see him, to know him, to follow him, to be blessed by him. And the benefits could go on forever. But the main thing you need to know today is that he is inviting us to come and see, come and look through the window into the heart of God for his children. This is a window into eternity, into a realm of hope and promise and grace and mercy and purpose if we will only search for him. So today you should commit to reading through God's word because the blessings that it brings, because it serves as a window into the world. But finally, the final reason we should commit to reading God's word is because it reveals God to us. I mean, ultimately, that's what God's word does. It reveals God to us. Psalms 119, verse 135. The psalmist says, Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Here in this divinely inspired prayer, we see the psalmist asking God to make his face shine on him. Which essentially means he's asking God to look favorably upon his servant and to reveal himself to him. And his next statement is, teach me your statutes. It is as if he is saying, oh God, would you come to me through your word? Oh God, would you meet with me through your word? This is a type of prayers that I believe God wants us to hear with expectation. When we come to God's word, you need to come with expectation that you're coming to meet with God. Not check a list, not check something off a list or do a duty, but meet with God. Jesus said in John chapter 5 verse 39, he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He said, it is these that bear witness about me. We need to know today that we can celebrate God's word as a great gift to us. Not because it is God. Know this here today. We should have high respect for God's word. But it is not God. But it does introduce us to God. Through the scriptures we understand that there is a God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It reveals God to us. Through the scriptures, we can understand why the world is broken. And ultimately through sin, we see Adam hiding himself from God in the garden. Through the scriptures, we understand that God has a standard and that we had broken his standard. We see this in his law and his 10 commandments that thou shalt not. Through the scriptures, we find that God was working a plan to bring man unto himself in light of our sinfulness. Through the scriptures, we found that God came to the earth on our behalf through his son, Jesus, lived the perfect life we couldn't live, died in our place to forgive us of our sin. It is through the scriptures that we find, though, that Jesus didn't stay dead, but rose to life on the third day and has provided a way back to God through faith in his son. For he is not here, but he has risen. It is through the scriptures that we see the plan and design of God's people to be assembled together as his body on this earth through the church and to go forth and make disciples. And then finally, through the scriptures, we know that one day Jesus is coming back again and he will set up his rule on the earth and he will judge and remove all sin and evil and his children will be with him in joy and harmony and unity forever and ever. Surely I am coming quickly, praise God, who has revealed himself today to us through his word. Can we give him praise this morning? This is not a chore. This is not a duty. This is not a task. This is a window into heaven in which we may see and know the God who created us. So today when we challenge you to be a people who are reading through God's word, we're not challenging you to a task. We're not challenging you to some broken dead religious work. We're challenging you to go meet with the God who knows you. To meet with him for the first time or to meet with him afresh for the first time in a long time. I could tell you so much here today. I had a bunch of stories I could tell you to stir you on to why we should read God's word and commit to it this year. I'm going to ask Ms. Bar to begin to come and play softly. I could tell you the story about a bunch of Cuban pastors. I got to hear a guy speak one time as he was one of Castro's evangelical pastors that were exiled on an island off of the coast of Cuba for preaching the gospel, these persecuted pastors, who had no hope that they'd ever see their families again, that'd ever leave this island, they came together, and with cigarette papers, they began to write down on those cigarette papers as much of the scripture as they had memorized as possible. They would write it down. And sometimes they would write a few verses and somebody would remember the next part of that verse and they would write it down. And they did this for days until finally they had come together with a makeshift piecemealed Bible as much as they could. And it was made out of cigarette papers. And they would gather together on the Lord's Day and they would take turn preaching from their cigarette paper Bibles. I remember going to a dinner one night recognizing that there's still millions of people all over the world who've never had the Bible translated into their language i remember them passing around a bible big looked like a big family bible and it was in some middle eastern dialect people group and flipping through the pages and i couldn't even understand the characters within the people who were leading the meeting started to weep as they talked about it. that was the first edition it was the first edition that copies were being made to be sent to these people. Places where the church already was. There were Christians in some of these places, underground Christians, that had, were there f- f- just simply on faith, on oral tradition of what Jesus had done, but had never held God's Word in their hand, that they were about to get the Scriptures. Man, I could go on and on and on and tell you that, but can I tell you one of the greatest things? Because I want to tell you about this Bible. When I was 14 years old, I gave my life to Christ. I was the first in my family. Give my life to Jesus. I had great parents, but we didn't grow up in a spiritual home. At about nine years old, though, my mother, one Christmas morning, bought us all a Bible. I remember coming downstairs, coming to that tree, and amidst all the toys and everything and things that was there, was I remember there was this Bible with my name on it. Zachary. She loves, She still calls me Zachary. And I remember being strangely drawn to that word. Remember going up to my room that day and reading the Genesis account of God's creation. Started bringing it to school, and Miss Burton, who taught uh, at Bryan Elementary School, I started bringing it to school, and she recognized it, and she started inviting me to stay after school a little bit with her, so she could explain to me the Bible. I didn't know it at the time. She was, she was pointing me to Jesus. When I gave my life to Jesus at 14 years old, this was the first place that I went, and I can still open up this Bible. I can see the handwriting of 14-year-old Zach written around Romans 10, 9, that if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I can say, that that's I very likely wrote that down at the moment that I gave my life to Christ. I can flip over to other places. I can flip over to Acts chapter 2, verse 17. When I a, As a 14-year-old kid who had no background in Christianity other than I knew the gospel, that the Lord Jesus came to me one day in just a, a very supernatural way and felt like God had called me to preach. And I remember this was the first place that I turned and I opened up my Bible and just fell up open to Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh and my sons and my daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And it was a very clear word. God was calling me to preach. And I could go over and over all through. Up this word well God met with me as a kid can I say something to you here today no matter how much schooling I've gone to no matter where else has happened in my life I'm still just that child every time I open up God's word oh God would you speak to me today would you speak fresh and new and every time I need him he meets me there the church family the greatest thing you could do in 2022 is to become a man or woman of God of his word so I want to ask you this morning with every head bowed every eye closed Would you make that commitment this morning? Between you and the Lord. Maybe you say, Brother Zach, I've already got a reading plan. I'm pretty faithful to it. Maybe you would say, Lord, I I pray that you would help me to hear from you more this year. Give me fresh eyes. Let it not be routine. Help me to weep again at your word. But if you'd make that commitment this year to say, oh God, help me to be a man or woman of your word. Would you just raise your hand right there where you are? Nobody's looking around. Between you and Jesus, would you just raise your hand right there where you are and say, Brother Zach, I want to be a man or woman of God's Word right there where you are. Amen. Amen. I'll say this to you here today. The greatest thing you can know here today, the greatest thing that the Word of God does is point you to the God who loves you. So this year, the most important thing you could do to begin your year just say, God, I don't want to go through another year without you in my life. Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus. Right there where you are, you can call it to him. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Right there where you are, would you say, Jesus, here I am. Maybe you'd pray this to the Lord. Right there where you are, say, Jesus, here I am. I don't know you, but I want to know you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I ask you to save me. I don't want to do life my way anymore. I want to follow you. Save me, oh God. Save me. Is that you this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed? Nobody's looking around. This is between you and I. We're not going to embarrass you or ask you to come forward or anything like that. But I'm going to ask you here today. If you ask Jesus to save you this morning, would you just look up at me? Just make eye contact with me right there where you are. Is that you here this morning? You say, Brother Zach, that's me. I asked Jesus to save me this morning. I want to start my year. I want to say, Jesus, I want you this year more than anything else in the world. Is that you here today? And I'm going to encourage us all to do right now. Would you stand right there where you are? Take this. We're going to sing a verse of this hymn. And as we sing, take some time to reflect on your commitment to the Lord. Say, God, let my heart burn within me for your word. Our ministers will be up front. If you need somebody to pray with you here today if you'd like to join this church man you feel free to come forward if you gave your life to jesus today or even in recent weeks if you need to follow through in baptism you can come forward today or maybe even take that little connect card of the seat back in front of you and mark on there i gave my life to jesus and turn that in as we conclude so brother ken would you lead us you take this moment to spend time with jesus